0: What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode here on the T. Clark Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Clark, and we're back for another round of Nutrition True False with Coach Chronic. You guys know how it goes, so I'm not going to keep you guys here too long for the intro. I just want to ask you guys, if you do enjoy the podcast, if you do take some helpful information away from it, go ahead and drop a five-star rating and review down below. It helps us grow on the iTunes charts. The more we grow on the iTunes charts, the more people we're able to reach, the more people were able to reach, the more people were able to help. Um, so that would be awesome. And then also if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram story, tag me, tag Karan, let us know what you liked about the episode, and let us know what you're going to take from the episode and apply it into your own life. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode.
1: And we're live. We're back with more true and false gains. The boy T Clark's in the building. Coach Chronic is here. Tell the people what's going on, man.
0: What's going on, everyone? I'm back for another round of true false. Excited to get this one going.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So guys, um, you know, last week we lied and said we were short on time and we know we ended up bullshitting for another like 15, 20 minutes after. But today is no bullshit. We only got like 25 minutes. So we're going to go through these and we're going to go through them quick. We're still going to give you dope content and value because that's why you're here. So I'm going to kick things off. Um, What's the best thing to do after a sprained ankle heals? Um, I had proceed as normal or wear ankle brace. Um, 40% of you said proceed as normal and 60% of you said wear ankle brace. So now um, I'm going to say it depends, obviously you knew that was coming. Um, I think it depends on the level of the ankle sprain. Um, if it's like a level three where you're like barely walking, you got some real damage in there. You're probably going to need to go to a physical therapist, get some rehab going and, um, just really build a lot of those, um, muscles and get more passive, uh, flexibility first with some manual therapy and, and, um, you know, work done. But after a while, You can't just get back to, you know, normal, quote unquote, you have to make it stronger because your normal is now decreased because you've damaged the tissue in in there and your ankle, especially if you roll your ankle, you're most likely going to roll it again and again and again and again.
0: Chronic experience,
1: right? Chronic ankle sprains are pretty common because once you do it once, you're just way more susceptible to it after because the mobility just decreases and decreases and and decreases. So, um, yes, proceed as normal, but also strengthen. And yes, wear ankle brace if you're uh, needing to uh, you know, perform for like a sport or something and you want a little more support, definitely wear it. But don't rely on it. So it both answers are right in certain contexts. But in general, please just increase your mobility, move your ankle, rotate it every day, and try and avoid all the clicks and the pops and the slips. But yeah, that's my
0: first one. Yeah. Yeah, nah, like... I have luckily, I mean, somehow I only really sprained my ankle badly once mm-hmm. as, a, as a basketball player, which is pretty crazy. Like basketball players are usually really success- susceptible to like repeated ankle sprains. I've, I've rolled my ankle multiple times, but like I've only sprained it pretty badly one time. I like mm-hmm. did everything in my power to not wear an ankle brace, like one because obviously I didn't want to become reliant on it. Two, I just thought it was uncomfortable, like even uncomfortable. like when I was trying to perform, like. I didn't feel like it really, I felt like it hindered me more than it helped. Yeah. And like just from my opinion, I would, if I was to do it again, I still wouldn't, I would just put it off as as long as possible. Again, it depends. Like if your ankle's really screwed up and like you need to be out there on the court, on the field, whatever, then wear the, wear the ankle brace, but like don't get it too. Cause I know I had, I had teammates that like just perpetually wearing ankle braces just goes yeah. like just to support their ankles. Maybe they sprayed their ankle once or twice and now they just want to wear them like forever. And yeah. one, that just doesn't seem comfortable like for performance. And two, yeah. like you're not setting yourself up for success long term. Absolutely. Good point, man. That was a good add-on. What you got? All right. So my first one is how often should you meal prep, weekly or daily? Uh full disclosure, I posted these true false questions like half an hour ago. So a lot of them are like really like a hundred percent answers or like 50 50 (laughs) answers that like literally never happens um but this one was 50 50 and rightly so it depends like really it it doesn't matter if you do it weekly if you do it daily if you do it every two days every three days whatever um as long as you get it done and you're able to hit your hit your numbers on a daily basis or if you're not tracking then at least like get a decent amount of food in on a regular basis have food prepared because if you don't have food prepared, you're kind of screwing yourself over when it comes to this whole like nutrition and fitness thing. Like you, if you have a specific goal and you're not prepping, like you're not doing yourself any favors, but it doesn't matter if you do it weekly, if you do it daily, just make sure you get it done and find what works best for you. And that depends person to person.
1: Absolutely. I agree 100%. Um, I think that if you have, like you said, a specific goal, like fat loss, or you're, you're trying to make a deadline for a photo shoot or, you know, especially obviously if you're uh, competing for, um, like yeah. a bikini competition or something like that, you need to be meal prepping because everything has to be so rigid and on target. Um, I would say I, I used to meal prep a long time ago. Um, maybe like two years ago, I did it like every week for like a year. I had everything measured out. Everything was all tip top shape. Perfect. And after a year of doing that, I haven't done it again since I hate, yeah. I hate it now. <laughs> I don't, I don't touch meal prep. Yeah, I'm like, honestly
0: like I, I, I prep, but I just say that cause I, i cook my food really when i yeah, say food, yeah 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 you cook your own food like me personally i like just doing it daily one yeah i do that too so it's impossible to keep up with it right um, but i just like doing it daily even like just like to have the freedom to switch it up like when you want to just prepping every week just one time per week kind of locks you in
1: yeah and having food you made on sunday on thursday is just
0: nasty yeah it's like, pretty in- nasty in theory, it sounds nice. Like, oh, I'm going to just cook this one day and be done. Like, some people, it, it works for some people. And, like, if it, if it works for you, awesome. Like, do that. Um, but, yeah, having, like, food you cooked on Sunday on, like, Saturday of this week. Ooh. That's a like, yeah, I don't know. If, if you're having gut issues, you might want to look into that. <laughs> but. <laughs> might be eating a whole microbiome. Pretty, yeah. You have a whole different microbiome on your food. No, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that one's just whichever works best for you. Like, it, does, like either way, it doesn't really matter. Um, as as honestly, good. I think a, a good one that wasn't an option on there is just prepping every two or three days. So if you don't have time to do it every day, just do it a couple times a week. So I usually recommend like to clients that don't want to cook, just pick two to three days throughout the week where you're going to cook for the following one or two days. Yeah. Um, so that way you have some food stocked up, but you're not relying on like, like we said, like food from that you cooked on Sunday, you're not eating it the next Saturday.
1: I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. What you got? Um, so I, my next question is about actually something I saw Cody post. and I was like, oh, this is dope. I'm totally stealing this. I completely checked yeah. it. So um, it said, what's a better approach? I don't know that that was his verbiage, but anyway. So what's a better approach? High carb, low fat or high fat, low carb? Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah you saw that. Yeah. So um, this one was, was decently debated, but um, I was actually surprised. Um, high carb, low fat was 38% and high fat, low carb was 62%. Yeah. Um, and again, it all depends. I, I yeah. think, um, either, it, either way can work either way. You can make it work. Um, it depends on the person and it depends on their history with food. It, it depends on their, uh, glycotic sensitivity. Um, sorry, insulin sensitivity is what I wanted to say. Um, so if someone has been binging on like, you know, Twinkies and, lots of uh, processed carbs for a very, very long time, their, their yeah. sensitivity is all fucked up and they're very insulin resistant, then um, maybe the one on the right would be better for a little bit just to kind of get that swing back in the other direction. But if, they're, this, if this person is a like a high-performing athlete, high-carb is going to be very, very important. But I wouldn't even say low-fat necessarily no. either. Yeah. It, it just, it's sort of a... a in the middle. I think sometimes, um, high carb, like medium fat is, is, is good or like, um, medium carb, medium fat. You know what I'm saying? Like it it just depends on what the person's doing. Um, usually if a person is going into a cut, the carbs are going to be what fluctuate the most. The the fat might change a little bit, but it's not going to really go that much protein and fat stay relatively the same. Um, protein might even increase in a cut, um, depending on what the person's goal is. Usually it will for muscle retention, but, um, the carbs are what's going to be fluctuating the most when it comes to cutting, maintaining, and going into a surplus. So really the, the two sides are kind of unfair because I don't really agree with any of them, but it just depends.
0: Yeah, it depends. And I think this is where periodization is so important because both of them have very valid applications, even for, even for high performing athletes, like you don't want to be eating high carb all the time. Like just because that is what fuels performance. Your goal isn't performance 24, 7, 365. Like you need to have, I've been really big, like talking about this a lot lately, the whole like periodization aspect of like nutrition, like for athletes, like after, after your season, You got to take some time to recover. And part of that recovery means dialing back your food intake, dialing, not necessarily dialing back your calories a ton, but dialing back the carb intake and increasing the fat because that allows your body to manage inflammation, restore hormonal health, um, insulin sensitivity, all that stuff. So like, I think they they both have a place and they're both necessary for like long-term success. You just have to cycle in and out of them. Yeah, And for most people, a higher, a medium to higher carb approach is probably going to be better most of the time, yeah. uh, just because it's like from an adherence standpoint, it's a lot easier for most people. And right. um, I mean, for athletes or anyone trying to achieve performance or strength or muscle gain or stuff like that, like carbohydrates are your fuel. So like most yeah. of the time, you're probably going to be eating a medium to high carb uh, diet if that's your goal, but you still need to cycle in and out of a low carb approach just to manage those other factors too right right right
1: and the key is just not to be on one side and one side yes just just fluctuate and as uh tommy said you have to uh plan your macros and nutrition and and your nutrition excuse me based upon what your current goal is or if you're an athlete what part of the season you're in and that will determine whether you go this or that don't just say, yeah. oh, high carb, low fat is the best thing ever. Or keto <laughs> is the best thing ever. Or paleo is the best thing ever. Honestly, a combination of everything is probably the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. What you got?
0: So that's all, that's all I got for that one. And then uh, kind of building on the on the periodization aspect of things. Uh, the next one is during the in-season phase, performance is prior to number one. And this one is really for like, any athletes listening. like And like really anyone um, looking to gain muscle or strength or stuff like that. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're in the in-season phase, so like for those of you that haven't been like following along, I've been doing like lives every day, like going out, going in depth on this. Um, uh, but so for periodization, there's four different phases. You got in-season, you got post-season, off-season, and preseason. In-season is like when, like, at least when I'm talking to like athletes, like that is when per- performance is the number one priority. So like if that's your goal, then yes, it is number one priority. Now, if we're talking like your main goal is long-term sustainable fat loss in season is like when you're in a deficit. So that's the complete opposite. Um, so again, it really just depends on um, the context of the person that I'm talking to. But I think most people that were following along that like answered this um, probably assumed that it was it was in the context of like an athlete. Um, so in that, in that context, then yes, performance is definitely priority number one during in season and your nutrition plan will reflect that you'll be eating more carbs. Like we just talked about, um, and all that sorts of stuff. But yeah, if you're an athlete in season pr- performance is your number one priority. Like I don't care if you have a six pack, if you're not performing on the field, on the court, like you're not like, it just defeats the purpose of everything.
1: I agree. I agree. You're, you're an athlete and you're in season. You have to perform. Like yeah, that, that's a, that's literally what you're there to do. So fat loss is not your, not your priority. Um, I would say muscle retention is probably important, but you know, just trying to get shredded is not gonna help you at all. It'll probably make yeah, you no. a worse athlete. And in, in honestly, oh,
0: yeah, one hundred percent. Like I, it's coming from the person who went paleo in the middle of basketball season, that was yeah, <laughs> that was the most idiotic thing I could have done ever. Hey man, I mean maybe at least I didn't go keto. That that would have been worse. You,
1: you didn't know. You didn't know. It's not your fault. I didn't know. Um, on, on a funny topic, well, not really funny. It's more interesting. I've heard um, – I was listening to uh, Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, okay. and um, they were talking about keto and UFC, and some UFC fighters are utilizing keto. Um, I don't know if it was pre- either preseason or during season, but they're utilizing keto in the um, in the periodization of their nutrition for the for the athletes. And, I mean – there were some like legitimate arguments, but, um, overall, I, 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 I just don't think that, um, keto is an optimal, uh, diet selection, so to speak Yeah, uh, for athletes in season. I just don't think that it's, it's optimal. I mean, it, it's, if you're, if you can possibly get someone to adhere to that and survive the keto flu, as they call it. Yeah, in season when they have games, like who knows how many times a month? Like that's that's hard. Like
0: yeah, like for an endurance athlete, I could see how it could be valid. That right? That'd be tough for MMA. Like maybe they're talking about during their weight cuts or something. Like maybe that.
1: Maybe because be the extremely yeah the um, extreme, uh,
0: deficit from the. Uh, I don't know. I'd be you're about to send me that link to the podcast. I want to listen to that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I definitely will. Um. So the last one I got is um, pretty interesting that it was so skewed. I was expecting the other way. Um, what impacts building muscle more, your nutrition or your training? 93% of you said your nutrition, and 7% said your training. And I was surprised by that. I'm, I'm, it, it makes me really happy. Um, so I was actually going to rephrase this question to um, what matters more, your training program or caloric surplus for building muscle? And I think that would have made it too obvious. So yeah. I just said nutrition and training. Um, <laughs> overall, your nutrition is going to determine how your body composition changes. Period. Obviously, if your training isn't optimized for building muscle, you know you're, you're um, doing the same thing over and over and over again, where you're doing only high reps or only low rep. Like you're you are going to plateau, and your muscle building yeah. will be um, you know cut off at a certain point. But if you're not in a caloric surplus, you are not going to build muscle. Like it's just, it's just the way it works. Um, you may see some changes if you're a newbie and you have newbie gains in the beginning, that is completely possible. But if you're an experienced lifter for, you know, a few years and you're trying to go into a muscle building cycle, you will not build muscle if you're not a caloric surplus. So um, definitely something to think about. But at the same time, if you're in a caloric surplus and you're only doing, and your training is your program's kind of garbage then you'll also see a stagnation in your um, muscle building potential. Honestly, if you're, like I said, if you're only doing something like super high reps, low intensity for like forever, your muscles are going to be incredibly endured and they're, they're going to be able to do shit for a long time, but you're not going to really see that definition because you're not building muscle. You're not, you're not continuing to stress the tissue enough to cause adaptation, right? We, we, we tear tissue to rebuild stronger. That's what building muscle is. But if you're not giving the, the correct amount of stimulus to the muscles by having um, heavy days, by having medium days, by having light days and, and finishers and, and supersets and all, all these great things that are involved with a good training program, not necessarily needing supersets, but that's just an example of a, of a good progression. Um, you're not going to see that muscle you want, you want so bad. So, they're definitely both important, but nutrition definitely will take the cake for building muscle if both are equal in terms of quality.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like you, unless you're like a just straight up beginner, you've never touched a weight before in your life. Like you need to be in a calorie surplus to um, to gain muscle. Like yeah, unless you're a beginner, unless you're really like overweight, then obviously you're gonna be in a calorie deficit, lose fat. You'll probably gain muscle in the process. Yeah, but if you're not in either one of those two situations, if you're, like, an intermediate, um, you've been lifting for a while, for the most part, you have to be in a calorie surplus to Excuse me. gain muscle. You might be able to sit around maintenance and, like, recomp, but that's going to yeah, take you forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're really – if your goal is primarily muscle gain um, or primarily fat loss or primarily performance, nutrition's going to play – like, without nutrition, like, none of the training you do is really going to do much of anything. Right. Maybe, maybe in the performance side of things, just from the skill development, but like from muscle gain and fat loss, like you're not, you're just not giving your body the raw materials that it needs to make those adaptations. But at the same time, like if you're eating in a calorie surplus, but you're not training at all, like you're not going to gain muscle either. You'll you'll gain weight. Sure. But you're probably going to gain fat. Same thing. If you're in a calorie deficit and you're not training, like if you're really overweight, then that could be helpful to get the ball rolling. Like if nutrition is like the only thing that you'll focus on um, Absolutely. and that's it, then awesome. But if you're looking to like get shredded or get lean, you're already in a pretty decent place. Like if you go into a calorie deficit, but you're not hitting the weights like three or four times a week, you're good. You'll get, you're going to lose weight, but you're going to end up looking skinny fat and no one wants to look skinny fat. Um, yeah. so I think, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Like, I mean, partly because I'm a nutrition coach, but that uh, <laughs> that nutrition would probably play the bigger role. But yeah. they're both because, they, like, if you're doing a training program, even if it's not optimal, like if you're lifting weights three or four times a week, like a regular, like, upper, lower split, whatever, even like even a bro split, like, you're still yeah, you will see gains. Yeah, you're still stimulating your muscles to grow, and especially if you're a relative beginner or even an intermediate. Um, you're still going to see muscle growth or fat loss or all that stuff, given that the nutrition is appropriate for your goal. Um, so that I think that's why I would go with nutrition as being like more influential. Right. If you're looking to maximize your stuff, you're looking to maximize muscle gain, fat loss, performance, Have both in check. I mean, there's no reason not to. So Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I think we should do like, like we talked about before, we should do
1: a whole podcast on, um, like certain topics, so like, yeah, um, nutrition periodization, reverse dieting, nutrition for fat loss, nutrition for muscle building, nutrition for this or or that. Yeah. I because again, guys, we can go on these topics for like hours. We could just talk and, talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, but um, you wouldn't be here that long. So, <laughs> I think it's better to probably do um, one at a time. So, what should be our first topic? Uh, of choice in these last couple minutes here
0: oh man this is you just threw that one right out. i don't i don't know man uh, this, one,
1: this one was unexpected he was not expecting me to ask this question
0: i, I was not I mean, i'm kind of on like a nutritional periodization kick right now since and it's, it's really interesting it's something people that just people don't take advantage of or don't understand completely i think it'd be helpful to kind of break that down and just mm. make it simple because like nutritional periodization sounds like this like scientific concept it's like Kind out there but it's it's really quite simple so i think just doing a podcast on that to break it down mm-hmm. and maybe even do like one week we could focus on like periodization for fat loss periodization for muscle gain performance um stuff like that i think that would be a good a good place to start
1: sounds like a plan i like it let's do it let's do it man so um awesome. guys we're we're gonna be uh switching um when we ask questions so i because uh, we're gonna start recording on sundays now um and I think maybe if we do ask the questions on Friday.
0: Yeah. Sunday, yeah definitely so. not half an hour before like I did this week. <laughs> I still have one question that I, I, I want to get through. Oh, no. Oh, you have another one? Yeah. I, I, oh. it's, it's, really, it's really stupid, but I want to I talk about it on here because it's, it's stupid, but it's important.
1: Oh, bro. Shoot. I don't even know.
0: Shoot, go. No worries. All right, so the last the last question I have, is, or the true-false that I have, is eating more than three eggs a day increases your risk of death. Oh, true. absolutely. Yeah, dude. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. I, yeah, every, 100% of you guys said true, so apparently. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, I was okay. like, what? I, that was good. Actually, I could tell you were joking, but you couldn't tell I was joking, so I, I won that one. <laughs> you but, did. Um, but I no, 100% you of you guys – hundred percent of you guys said false. Good job. Thank you. I think I would have. I would have been very sad if <laughs> anyone said true for that one. But there was actually a study that came out um, that kind of that tried to make that claim. Uh, yeah. That looked at like I think I don't know if it was like a meta-analysis or something um, that looked at a bunch of different studies and it was like oh like with every egg that you eat like over the three eggs uh, your risk of death goes up by one percent. Um, I, I, how they came to that conclusion is just beyond me. Like, there's so many other factors. Yeah. Um, and I was listen, I was listening to a podcast on it, and it, um, not on that specifically, it came up. I'm not that. I don't think I'm that much of a nerd that I'd be listening to a whole podcast on <laughs> a study about eggs, but, um, but they were saying that like it makes sense that a higher like, if you just look at the study, like, it makes sense that a higher intake of eggs would lead to a higher risk of death, because up until recently, like, eating, like, whole eggs is, like, demonized, it's, like, unhealthy, like, like yeah. just, just egg So, like, people that are eating whole eggs are more likely to be taking part in other unhealthy habits, um, whereas people that are like, oh, I'm going to stick with egg whites and egg whites only, like, you no know, whole eggs, are the people who have been inc- more inclined to be healthy, because up until that point... The only information they had gotten was others' oh, um, uh, The dog, whatever, captain to make a guest appearance in the podcast. But, um, <laughs> he's but like, I disagree. Are,
1: <laughs> yeah, he
0: definitely disagrees. I disagree. Um, <laughs> but like, it makes sense that the people that are like more inclined to is he going to shut up? Okay, I think he's dead now. Uh, but the people who are um, more inclined to eat egg whites are the ones that are not people. <laughs> Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Oh my God! I'm just I'm gonna stop there. Your um, dog is savage. Just, just don't eat eggs if you don't want to increase the risk of death, <laughs> or you don't want a dog to bark at you. No, yeah, no, I'm kidding. No, oh please don't God. take that last statement literally. Eat, eat, whole oh eggs. eggs are healthy. Please, like, don't listen to that study. It's stupid.
1: That was hilarious. Um, speaking of studies in these last four minutes, guys, when, when you uh, see a new article released or you know a a news story that says new study finds that eating broccoli actually gives you cancer like just make sure that you (laughs) read said study because there are so many variables that come into play as human beings like we're not all robots it's not like that person so, for instance, the whole egg thing right it's not like they're only eating eggs, and that is all, and that is why they're dying like there's as uh Tommy said, there are other uh, codependent variables that are mixed in there that aren't really talked about right so you have to always consider that there's more going on than what they say. A study can flip and do this and do that to make their hypothesis true right It's like holding twenty five other variables you know, in the back burner. Let's, let's just not look at those. Just, just look at the eggs. Yeah.
0: A good We're study will die. control for the other variables as well as possible. Always,
1: always. And and there's so many different ways to um, make that seem like a legitimate study, but really it's just one study. What what you want to look at are, um, again, meta-analyses are, are pretty good generally because they compare tons of other studies, but this one tended, turned out to be not so good but yes. in general um one study is not any kind of indication of an actual fact it is yeah. still theoretical
0: and usually when you see like the stuff in article like on like just like on social media it just completely takes the study out of context like Absolutely. the study might say something like there may be a link between eating more eggs and like some sort of cancer or something maybe, or maybe correlated or something. But then uh, media outlets use that as like, Oh, eggs cause cancer. And they put that on social media and everyone starts freaking out. Cause like this article said that apparently eggs cause cancer. Mm-hmm. When in reality, one component of the egg yolk may have a slightly positive relationship with some sort of cancer. But like in reality, it's not like as like, it's whenever you have to have a lot of evidence to make like a, a big uh, claim like that, a big claim like that, that something causes something. Yeah. A lot of things are correlated with something and related to something. And that's very different than some saying something causes something.
1: Correlation does not equal causation.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, 100%. Like whenever you see something like that, you have to be really skeptical. And if you, if you read into it and it looks like it was a well-constructed study or whatever, then Okay. Um, but just be careful not to fall for that sort of like the clickbait and stuff. New study finds that
1: paper towels causes heart disease. Don't use paper towels, everyone. Oh my God. But anyway, on another note, paper Um, towels are fine. Eggs are fine.
0: Quite the the conclusion.
1: Yeah, quite the conclusion. I'm a troll. I can't help it. Um, thanks for tuning in, y'all. My name is Coach Chronic. You can find me on Instagram at Coach Chronic. C O A C H K R O N I C. T Clark, where can they find you, my man?
0: You can find me at T Clark Nutrition on Instagram. Uh, here on the podcast, and I am dropping an ebook relatively soon. Oh shit! Uh, possibly or not possibly, e-book? it's happening. Um, probably mid to late April, but just put oh, it out there. Okay. Just not not going to say what exactly it is, but. Stay tuned. Sweet, man. Looking forward to that one. Wow, that awkward silence. Hey, man, I like silence. I mean, you say, like, catch you guys next time or, like, something like that, but apparently we're just going to drop it off right there.
1: Yep. Mic drop. Peace out, y'all. We'll see you next week.